Welcome in on this Tuesday morning. It is the man of the hour. It is Sports Decaf. It's your boy, Thadik Abdullah. Yo, what's up, everyone? It's your boy, Thadik Fatul. What's up? What's up? Alrighty, the NBA Finals coming up. A couple more days. We're going to get more into that. But we're going to talk about, you know, show some fan love today. Which team has the best fans in basketball? And then more Ezekiel Elliott drama has happened. He's gotten into more trouble. Should the Dallas Cowboys be worried about that situation? And then we're going to talk about, does Toronto have to win in order for Kawhi to stay? But to start off the show, it's the NBA Finals. And the question is, do the Golden State Warriors need Kevin Durant to beat the Toronto Raptors? No, they don't. Um, I'm looking at the Golden State Warriors. Everyone knows that they were the best team technically ever without Kevin Durant. Um, this team is still special. They're 6-0 in the playoffs without him. 33-4 and in the regular season without Kevin Durant. This team is still a threat. They play a different brand of basketball whenever Kevin Durant's not in the game. They move the ball much more. Steph Curry has been killing it, especially in the uh, Western Conference uh, Finals, averaging over 35 points a game, shooting lights out. I mean, that's a Steph Curry that we're used to. I don't want to say that the obviously the Golden State Warriors are a better team with KD, but they don't need KD to beat the Raptors. I think the Raptors can still squeak by with two or three games without Kevin Durant. But I think with KD, they automatically lose. But I think still without, with or without Kevin Durant, the Warriors are the favorite. And I think we should all think like that. I do think the Warriors can still pull it off. But I'm going to go back to, what was it, 2016 when Kawhi went down. It was third quarter, about halfway through. You know, the Spurs were up 21. And, I mean, that's, with, that's a Golden State Warriors team with KD at the time. And then the Spurs end up losing that series. <laughs> And they end up losing actually game one as well after Kawhi went down. So I think I'm going to look at it as it's going to be a nail-biter for the Warriors. It's not going to be a walk in the park. It can go either way. I don't think it's guaranteed that you know the Warriors walk out and beat the Toronto Raptors. I think Toronto Raptors have themselves a shot, especially especially with the way that Van Fleet has been playing and Nick Powell, you know, guys on the rotation have stepped up. And that's why they ended up going on that four-game win streak. Because, you know, it wasn't Kawhi carrying the load. And I don't think, you know, they're going to be able to win with him carrying, you know, the load that he does. Because, I mean, they're just – it's just taking a toll on him overall. He shouldn't be playing 50-plus minutes in the playoffs, you know, like he did one game that went into – what was it, two overtimes? Double overtime. Yeah, so overall, I think, you know, guys have been stepping up. I think this Toronto Raptors team is in the best shape they've been all playoffs. They've got a rhythm going. So I definitely think, you know – they, I think, you know, they don't necessarily need KD in order to beat the Raptors, but, you know, there can be a point where it's like, you know, damn, you know, we're we're down, you know, whatever it is in the series, we need KD now. It, it can be, you know, an emergency call. Or I, I, I don't think it's – I don't even think it's going to get like that. Like that San Antonio Spurs team, that was a 67-win team. That was a team that was well-orchestrated and, like, they had everyone – you know, on page, great bench. They had LaMarcus Aldridge still, DeJounte Murray as well. That team was set up perfectly. That's a 67-win team. This Toronto Raptors team is a mid-50-win team that just squeaked by, you know, beating Milwaukee. And then you guys also got to remember, Kawhi Leonard's a little hurt. And, you know, we, we're not going to acknowledge that, but, you know, he's still been playing tremendous basketball, but he's still a little hurt. I think this Raptors team is a far different team than that San Antonio Spurs team. Kawhi Leonard was torching the Warriors. That I, I know what you're talking about. Before he got injured, Zaza Pachulia undercut him. Yeah. He was torching the Warriors. He was. But we also got to remember that Spurs team was way different than, than this Toronto Raptors team. This Toronto Raptors team, they literally rely on Kawhi Leonard to, to make plays, to score the basketball. And there's been a lot of games where guys don't show up. 
you know, names such as Kyle Lowry. He stepped up during this series. He averaged 20, uh, 20 points during the Milwaukee series. But the Philadelphia and Orlando series, he was nowhere to be found. And someone like Pascal Siakam, sometimes he doesn't show up as well, especially in big games. That, that Philadelphia game, game seven, he didn't show up. Marcus Gasol sometimes inconsistent as well. That Toronto Raptors team sometimes has shown a lot of inconsistency. And in order to beat the Warriors, in order to make this a, an actual series, guys are going to have to step up. I know Kawhi Leonard is going to do his thing. Is, but it's, it's, it comes down to the fact that is Pascal Siakam going to step up? Is Marc Gasol going to have a good game? And I just don't think that, especially on the road at, at Golden State, at Oracle Arena, I don't know if that's going to happen, you know, in order because they got to they gotta win road games. And I don't know if that's going to happen consistently for them. I, I just feel, you know, the Warriors, they're in like a tough situation because you've got Iguodala who's not healthy at this point. I mean, he's still questionable for game one if he's going to play or not. I mean, that, that's their key guy. You know, that's one of their key guys at this point. I mean, he, he did a phenomenal job, you know, guarding James Harden. He's going to be guarding Kawhi, throughout too. Throughout the Houston series. And to lose him on Kawhi Leonard, it's going to be tough for this Warriors team. Because then you also got Stephen Curry, who's a major liability on defense. And then, I mean, it, the load is going to be within Klay Thompson and Draymond Green playing defense. And, I mean, you, you're short three guys at this point. And you're already, you know, you're without KD, you're without DeMarcus Cousins, now without uh, Andre Iguodala. I mean, it's going to be tough on this Warriors team because it's going to come down to defense. Warriors are not going to be as hot as they were offensively. And we got to keep in mind, they play, they played the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, I, you, you were the dude who kind of gave Portland a I, few I said games. Portland to could possibly, if they can get a momentum going their way, they can possibly steal it. But. I mean, they never got that momentum. And, I mean, you're versing Kawhi Leonard. It's a whole nother ball game. But the thing is, is that that Portland Trailblazers team, like, the way that Golden State plays, like, everyone thinks that Kawhi Leonard's going to be straight up Garland Curry, but that's not how it's going to be. Like, there's going to be so much off-ball movement to where you're going to see a lot of instances where – you know, Mark Gasol is going to be guarding Steph Curry because of all these switches. And that's just that's just the name of the game. And that's the thing about the Golden State is that they constantly move around. You have to switch in order to beat them. And you got to have people that can move. The good thing about Toronto is that, uh, excuse me, the good thing about Toronto is they have, you know, four guys on the floor that can really defend. Not not great defenders, but they could defend one through three, one through four. Someone like, you know, Pascal Siakam, he's a solid defender as well. You need a lot of hybrids, and you might, you know, might see a lineup where Marc Gasol might end up getting benched for the series. Serge Ibaka is a far better perimeter defender than Marc Gasol and someone who's who's better on switching on defenders. You might see Serge Ibaka possibly start a few games. You know, uh, that that's just a little prediction for me. But other than that, I think that the Warriors are, I don't want to say comfortably winning this series, but I still think, I think they're heavy favorites. Yeah. I think without Kevin Durant, this team is still, you know, the best team in basketball. And I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about them one bit. I think... Iggy's, Iggy's going to be okay. I think he was questionable that game four. He just had a 10-day ten ten break. I think he'll be all right. I don't think they've ruled him out. They ruled out Kevin Durant for game one. I don't know about Iggy. But I think I think the Warriors are okay. Yeah, I I think I do think, you know, the Warriors are still winning. But I think there's a possibility the Raptors can win. And I hope, I hope it's a good series. Like, I don't want to see a Portland uh, Trailblazers sweep. I want to see a game six, game seven. I want to see things get down to the wire. Even that Houston series, every single game was close. I want to see games like that. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the outcome, so we were going to get into the Kawhi talk about staying in Toronto. So if the Raptors, you know, do the Raptors have to win in order for Kawhi to stay in Toronto? Um, yes, I, I do feel like that. I, but I, the thing is, Kawhi Leonard is such an odd soul. We don't even know what he's going to do. And, and I think this is the biggest 
this is the biggest series in Toronto's history. And I mean, if we get, if we, if we really got to be honest, not even for the the terms that okay, you're in the finals, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's the biggest it's the biggest series ever they've they've ever had as a franchise. But if they don't if they don't win this series, Kawhi Leonard is possibly walking out that door. Now you're real. Now you're gonna be end up. You know, you're gonna end up rebuilding for three or four years. They even said that if they don't win this series, they're probably gonna ship Kyle Lowry as well. This this series right here can really detriment how. Toronto Raptors function as an organization for the next few years. If they, if, if it's a competitive series, I, I, and I still think if it's a competitive series and Toronto puts up a fight, Kawhi Leonard might be tempted to stay. You know, a lot of people said after that game six in Milwaukee, the, you didn't have Toronto behind your back. You had the whole country of Canada behind your back. Everyone was cheering in the streets. Everyone was crazy. Danny Green said, hey, I mean, they were celebrating like it was the finals. I mean, I just imagine how the finals would be. This was just an Eastern Conference finals. I mean, this is big for the city, big for the country. So I think Toronto does have to pose – I think they have to pose a threat. You know, I, I, I just said earlier that they have to win. I think they have to pose a threat. I think Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion, I think he's leaving. That's just me. But I think that if, if Toronto wants to be the front runner in order to keep Kawhi, they got to pose a threat. And winning would definitely help the situation. Yeah, and I – Early on in the season, I thought there was no way he's leaving. I thought, you know, maybe Toronto made that trade to, you know, reel him in. They knew he was going to sign. But now I'm looking at it as if I'm in Kawhi's situation, I'm leaving. I mean, it's the future of this team is not looking good. I mean, you got to carry the load night in, night out. You got to – I mean, the guy single-handedly put the team on his back and carried him into the NBA Finals. If we're talking about overall performance, I mean, not many guys stepped up. And when they did, I know they stepped up late when it mattered most. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they can continue. I don't know if you want to be a guy like Kawhi Leonard relying on guys having to step up with the inconsistency within the depth of that team. So I think that's the issue. I think that's what he's probably going to look at. I think if he does stay, it might be a Kevin Durant-like contract, maybe a two-year with a player option second year. I think something along those lines, you know, to see where this team is headed. Because no one wants to waste five years of their prime in a place like Toronto. That's not winning. You know, he, he, has, he has options to go to, you know, the L.A. Clippers. You know, the, New, the Brooklyn Nets are a nice fit. I mean, there's, there's plenty of teams that can give him the money he wants and give him the players he needs. And I, I just feel like if Toronto, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't show a future ahead of him, you know, if they if they still value if their second best player is still Kyle Lowry, I don't think his intentions is to stay in Toronto. Well, number one, their second best player is Pascal Siakam, and that's that's what I was about to get to is that you can if I'm Toronto, you're gonna kind of have to pitch pitch an idea or pitch a promise that Pascal Siakam is gonna make that jump. Like Pascal Siakam, and I and I've predicted he's gonna be an All Star next year. He's the way he's playing, jumping, you know, from seven points to seventeen points a game. I just see him becoming an all-star next year. You got someone like Fred Van Fleet, who's still young. And he's he's in his third year this year. So there's a lot of room for improvement, especially with on the upon the role players. But, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. They don't have that second defiant star such as Houston does or such as, you know, even Dallas. Dallas has two stars that you know. Toronto has a star, or excuse me, a superstar. Then you got a, you got a guy that's an up-and-coming dude, Kyle Lowry, who's, Faded who's, a, who, who's a half a star. I mean, Kyle Lowry is solid, but he's nothing really special. He's replaceable. No offense to Kyle Lowry, but he is replaceable. You know, someone like you, you have a you have a good aura of role players, and that was kind of the same thing in San Antonio. Not whenever Tim Duncan was there and whatnot, but kind of whenever LaMarcus Aldridge was there and whatnot with, with DeJounte Murray, you had yourself a team. LaMarcus Aldridge was a solid second player. But, I mean, other than that, 
Toronto, I mean, the way that their team is set up, I think this team is still really good. I think that if Kawhi stays, that they'll probably end up making it to the Eastern Conference Finals once again next year. But it's just dependent on if guys can improve. Pascal Siakam is a big question mark. Is he going to improve to the point where you're a defiant second star and all-star? I mean, that's, that's, that's really the questions with it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think Toronto, you know, with or without Kawhi Leonard, you know, leaving the season, they're going to be within a – Kawhi stays, they're going to be in a little rebuild. You know, finding new guys, maybe I think even if, you know, Kawhi, I mean, even if, you know, they win the finals, I think they're still going to look look themselves for a new point guard. I think they're still going to, you know, look into the market. It's a hot free agency. Maybe they can reel in a guy like Kimba Walker <coughs> and then get rid of Marcus Ole. You know, you free up some cap space. I mean, now you've got a, re- a competitive team at this point. So I think that that's one aim they can, you know, one thing they can aim for in free agency is a guy like Kimba Walker, who if he comes in, this Toronto team is no joke. I mean, so I just, overall, it's all about, you know, just Kawhi's intentions at this point, how he's feeling, you know, what's better for his family. I mean, because at this, n- no one really knows. No one expected the guy to sign with New Balance. I mean, no one knew the guy was a fun guy. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. So we just got to wait and see. But, you know, speaking of more basketball, who are the best fans in the NBA. Oh, man. So after seeing the Toronto Raptors, you know, win the whole thing, it kind of persuaded me to think that, you know, Toronto Toronto doesn't – it's not a city. I mean, I just said it again. It, it's a whole country behind that team. They have a great fan base. But, you know, I'm looking at – and you really got to look at the facts whenever you talk about who's the best fans in the basketball. You know, I look at the Chicago Bulls, for example. You know, ever since, you know, 2010, they finished – Outside the top two in attendance just once. They finished in the top 10 every single year in attendance in 2001. And there's been a five-year stretch whenever they, you know, they won, they, excuse me, where they won more than 23 games once. So this team has been horrible, but I got to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm saying the facts. The Dallas Mavericks have the best fans in basketball. We're loyal. We're respectable. I mean, someone like Dirk just embodies what what type of fans that we have. Someone who's loyal, who's going to work hard for the franchise, who supports every single thing that the franchise does. And we talk about the facts. Dallas has been top three in attendance since 2003. There hasn't been a game that hasn't been sold out. I mean, Mark Cuban has done a tremendous job. And keep in mind, Mark Cuban got the ownership job in the early 2000s. Ever since he's been the owner of the of the Dallas Mavericks, we've been one of the best attendance. Excuse me, one of the best teams in attendance. You know, and we've, we've been top three for, for over a decade and a half. So, I mean, that's that's extremely impressive for the Dallas Mavericks. I think winning that title, seeing how the, how the city exploded throughout the parades, that just shows what Dallas is about. So, I, I'm not I'm really not trying to think as, as a biased fan right now, but, I mean, the, the stats and the facts back it up. Attendance rates, how much our viewership has gone up. Keep in mind, the Dallas Mavericks have been pretty bad le- uh, recently. Games still sell out. I mean, we still have, especially now with Luke and, and uh, Christoph Porzingis, this team is headed in the right direction. I mean, I think the Dallas Mavericks have the best fans in basketball. I mean, you got you got to see it up close to really, you know, feel feel the atmosphere in that Dallas stadium. I agree as well. I think as a Mavs fan as well, you know, who's been the Mavs games, we have the best fans in basketball. And it's we might not be the loudest fans, <coughs> but we're the most loyal fans there is because I feel like when you go to games through Mavs – Ups and downs. I mean, the fans have never booed booed this team. I mean, you got Philadelphia in the playoffs, you know, sold-out crowd. The fans boo them from a bad performance. You know, the Mavs are always engaged. They're always showing love, support. I mean, you look around, you've got guys, you know, full-on, 
you know, straight Dallas Mavericks makeup all on their face, you know, really, really loyal, you know, happy fans to be there. And I just feel like, you know, we're not one of those teams who've had, you know, the most success for, you know, franchises out there. But, I mean, we've, we've been, you know, mediocre throughout some years. But, I mean, our, our fans were always there through the ups and downs. And, you know, some people might say the L.A. Lakers have the best fans. Nah, they're just spoiled. And even, you know, the New York Knicks, you know, some, some can say, oh, you know, they've been trashed for this many years. Well, that, that's the mecca of basketball. That's what you're always going to get. You're always going to get, you know, loving fans, you know, who are who are also, you know, disappointed fans. But if you look at the Dallas Mavericks, fans are never disappointed. They're always happy with the team's performance. You know, they always accept for what the Mavs give us and I think that's that that's the other side of the picture that you've got to look and at. And one thing is I want to throw this out here. You know, from Forbes, this is this is an article from Forbes. The Dallas Mavericks have one of the longest active sellout streaks in NBA history with, with 588 games. 588 straight games have been sold out. I mean, that's ridiculous. And you know, the Dallas Mavericks honestly, we we can we can even say that ourselves we have been spoiled as a fan base as well. How many years have we gone to the playoffs? Uh, you know, prior in the, in the Dirk Nowitzki era, we we went there for over a decade. Yeah. I mean, we were spoiled as well. You know, San Antonio Spurs fans. I was gonna, you know, think about them. I I had them and you know possibly my top three fan bases in the NBA. But it's I can't judge a fan base if you haven't gone through trials and tribulations. Yeah. Spurs fans. I mean, we got to be honest. They have gone through. You know they haven't gone through they haven't gone through uh, too much. You know, 22 years of going to the playoffs straight up. I mean, and five rings. I mean, if you're a fan base, you got to be happy with that. What eight like seven eight final appearances? I as mean, well? yeah, exactly. So I mean, I mean, that fan base has been spoiled. Same thing with Laker fans. I mean, they've been spoiled as well. But look, that's the thing. You look at Laker fans right now having a protest outside of uh you know the Laker stadium and and what's going on with the franchise and how Laker fans kind of view the whole thing. You're right. I mean, they're just spoiled, and that's and I've said it, you know, multiple times on this podcast. I despise Laker fans. I mean, Laker fans, you know, are are horrible. They they assume that every single person is coming to their team during free agency, and yeah. and and that's that's the whole problem with it. I mean, even if it exceeds their salary cap, I mean, they still believe it. I mean, I've heard, I've talked to one person, and he thought he thought AD. Uh, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard is coming to the Lakers, and they're going to be in a Lakers uniform. That that's, even, that's it? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's oh, that's a, that's that, that's not too much okay. in, in Laker yeah, fans. Yeah, eyes, I've, seen, I've seen a lot worse. They thought MJ was coming back. <laughs> they thought John Stockton, Malone. Man, I've, I've heard a lot worse. Laker fans are something else, but, I mean, honestly, no biasm. I'm looking at the facts. I'm looking at the uh, statistics. Dallas Mavericks really do have one of the best fan bases in basketball. I mean, you can argue who has the actual best fan base, but in order to, to in order to be judged throughout this topic, your team has to have gone through some trials and tribulations. So if you're a Golden State Warriors fan from the get-go, I understand that. You can't judge Golden State Warriors fans based on 2013 or 2014 and beyond. You you just can't. You know, and you look at the San Antonio Spurs, 22 years of going to the playoffs, or it, it might be even more, honestly. But well, I'm, I'm going to respect the Golden State fans for the We Believe but, back in 2007. But, but, but those are the real fans, and that's what I'm yeah. saying. Anything beyond 2014, 2015, we don't know who's really there. Yeah. And, and that's, the thing, that's the thing about Golden State Warriors fans. A lot of people just don't know basketball nowadays, and, that, that, and that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a problem. You know, they because they, they, they see a couple of Twitter buys and posts, and they just go with it. So, I mean, I feel like nowadays you've got Twitter and things like that, and they just they buy into the hype. 
Yeah, and that's then, all it is. And they look at the wrong things when watching basketball. I mean, they look at oh, Steph Curry made a three. Well, I mean, then like like for example, like oh yeah, you know Steph Curry made a three, but then literally on the next play, Steph Curry could get beat on a cut and his opponent will go score on him. But then they'll think that Steph Curry's having a great game when really he's not. I mean, that's really what it comes down. To. A lot of people just don't know basketball nowadays, and e- even analysts, man. <laughs> Talk about Skip Bayless lately. Uh, the guy's just been saying some – man, I don't, I don't even want to get into what he's been saying. It's It might piss me off this yeah, morning. it's a little bad. But, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, you even got a guy like Nick Wright, you know, a solid source who, who, who at one point said Curry has never showed up in the playoffs. So, I mean, it's too much. I feel like the problem is nowadays too many people live with the moment and they forget about the past. Like, you know, Kawhi Leonard's going on a nice run. But there's no where in no way in hell that you put him in the same conversation as Kobe Bryant under pressure. I mean, it's there's a possibility maybe five, six years down the line from now, but living in the moment to just make the assumption Kawhi Leonard, Kobe Bryant, Kawhi Leonard's better under pressure, you know, things people have been saying lately. I mean, that's just that's just out of line. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, they that's that's the whole thing with recency bias is that you see one game winner. You see Kawhi Leonard get two rebounds in a game yeah. six against Milwaukee, and now suddenly he's one of the best clutch performers of all time. That's not the case, you know. And and that and that's and that's that's something that's something that's got to be addressed within the sports little world. That stop with the recency bias. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I'm a victim of it sometimes too. I went on this podcast and I still think it, but I said that Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA. I still think that, but I think there's a there's a there's a reasonable debate. That, for, for, for the topic. I think you can debate LeBron, you can debate KD, you can debate Kawhi Leonard. I think it's really come down to those three. Someone can debate Giannis, but I think after this last series that we saw, I don't think Giannis should be in your discussion for the best player in the NBA. But back to the point, recency bias is a, is a big thing in the sports world. You know, we look at a lot of people, they see one thing, and they'll just automatically jump to the thing. I mean, look at what Andre Iguodala said about Steph Curry. Steph Curry, I just said it earlier in this podcast, had a tremendous Western Conference Finals. 35 points, shot you know shot over 50% from the field, was killing it against the Portland Trailblazers. Andre Iguodala says he's the second best player of all time. Yeah, uh, come like I, I get that he's having second an amazing, best point guard. Did he say point, point guard? guard? Point guard. He said point guard. Yeah. Okay, if he, if he I thought if he said player, I would have I would have gotten a little irritated. But he right. said but, point but, guard. I mean, I agree with him. I think no, no, point guard. He's right in terms of players, though. I think I, I would have. Yeah. yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't go that far. I mean, he knows better. Yeah. Like, come on, you can't put Curry over LeBron. Let's just keep it real. I mean, there's there's five or six guys that you can say when Curry's career is set and done that are better. But I think Curry's definitely in the top ten right now. He can maybe squeeze himself in the top five. I don't know if he will, but there's a possibility. With I mean, him just racking up rings lately, and you got Kevin Durant leaving, and if he can, you know – get more success without KD and win, you know, maybe a couple more rings. I mean, I think, no, you know, one can argue. You, I'm, so, I'm sorry to interrupt. You're, you are mistaken, my friend. Andre Iguodala thinks Steph Curry is the second best player ever behind Michael Jordan. I'm looking at the Ooh. complex article, article okay, right when, now. When was this? This was after the – this was during – this was seven days ago. This was during – Oh, okay. I'm thinking of the one prior, about two, two, three weeks ago. No, no. This was, this was during the Portland Trailblazers. Okay. He says, I always thought that about him. I know other people didn't know, but he says that he thinks Steph Curry is the second best player ever behind Michael Jordan. That's what I'm talking about, recency bias. See, had this been the NFL, you know what they would have done? They would have drug tested the brother. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's on something. He's on. I don't know what he's on. I think I think the NBA needs to hit a Tyreek Evans. See what's going they on. They should have banned him. this man. They banned the wrong guy. 
Man, uh, does Tyreek look like Andre Iguodala? They might have got you know the wrong dude. Maybe, who know. knows? But anyways, let's not talk about NBA no more. That just pissed me off. <laughs> let's talk about something that's pissing me off even more. Ezekiel Elliott got into a little altercation in Vegas. Should the Dallas? I mean, the NFL. Before I get into the topic, the NFL is now you know investigating the situation. This is maybe his third, fourth incident in you know his young career. Should the Dallas Cowboys be worried? So let let's let's talk about what happened. You know, let's let's tell all the views what happened. Basically, what happened is that he was at a music festival, was in an argument with his with his girlfriend, whatever, and uh, you know she, she tried walking away. He stood. He stepped in front of her. He, you know, he kind of stopped her from walking away from him. Security came to Ezekiel Elliott, and they saw what was happening. He basically shoved his, uh, uh, a security guard and you know shoved him against a metal gate. And that's basically what happened. So he kind of he kind of put his hands on a security guard. He didn't put his hands on a woman. Put his hands on a security guard. Let's just get that get that settled down real quick. But I do think that the, that the Dallas Cowboys should be worried. I think Ezekiel Elliott has only been in the league for what is it now? Four years, three or four years, and this guy already has a track record. I mean, you look at his last six game suspension. I mean, I feel like that's just going to add on to it. The NFL, you know, is obviously going to do an investigation. Jerry Jones said said that he's not worried about what's going on. He says he says that he doesn't think that the NFL should be doing anything. But, I mean, if you look at the rule book of the NFL, this clearly violates the rule book. You know, put doing fi- causing physical harm amongst others. I mean, that's literally within the NFL rule book, the guidebook or whatever. Zekia Elliott did that. And if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, you might have to give this man the Pac-Man Jones treatment. And if whoever doesn't know, Pac-Man Jones came into the came to the Dallas Cowboys roster via trade, and we surrounded him with bodyguards. I mean, the man got arrested. I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, six six or more times. Had been to jail multiple times. Suspensions of, amongst suspensions. We might have to give Zeke Elliott that type of treatment to where we give him bodyguards whenever he's walking around. And good thing with the NFL is that if you're doing anything that's non-football related and you're spending money on your team that's non-football related, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't make the cap go down. So if the Cowboys want to spend money on some bodyguards, it's not going to affect how their cap goes, whatever, throughout free agency. I think we might have to really keep our eyes out on Zeke Elliott. I think the Dallas Cowboys should be worried because, number one, our success relies on this man right here, whether we're, not, whether we're going to admit it or not. I mean, if Zeke Elliott is not playing, the Cowboys, excuse me, is not playing in a Cowboys uniform, we are not a playoff team. We're not ready to make the playoffs. We're not good enough to even make a run in the playoffs. Not even good enough to make, to win our division. If we have Zeke Elliott, that changes the whole spectrum. We're probably the best team in the NFC East. And if, if you look at the track record, every single year Zeke Elliott has played, we've won the NFC East. Yeah. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's you know that's that's facts. So you look at what Zeke Elliott brings to the table. I think the Dallas Cowboys should be worried. Zeke Elliott is a special talent, but we really got to treat him you know like like he's fine China. And we gotta we gotta make sure this guy stays you know stays keeps his head on the, you know on the table and whatnot. Oh yeah, if, I, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I'm doing everything in my willpower. I'm I'm treating this guy like he's my own son. I mean, we look at his first season in the league. The man almost broke the rookie rushing record for from for Eric Dickinson. He was what maybe 150 yards shy. I mean, his second year in the league, he almost hits a thousand yards rushing with a six game suspension. I mean, just last se- just this season. I mean. He led the league in rushing again with one game less than the guy who was under him, Saquon Barkley. I mean, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, you got to realize you've got a gem under your hands. I mean, we've seen Dak Prescott perform without Ezekiel Elliott those six games, and it 
It, it wasn't good. It wasn't something to watch. I mean, it shouldn't have been on national TV. It was just horrible. So the Dallas Cowboys have got to keep in mind that this is arguably the best running back in football. In a guy who's been healthy, he's a six-foot back, who's got Tony Dorsett speed, who's got, you know, one Bo Jackson legs. I mean, the guy is an animal. But, you know, you've got, you've got to be able to watch him outside of football because, I mean, this is already, what, the fourth incident. There's been an incident at a club where they say he, you know, punched the DJ or something like that. He's been charged with a sexual assault case, although he didn't get convicted. He, you know, he's still got a six-game suspension. So I feel like there was just – there was minor evidence there. I think Ezekiel Elliott at this point has got to really watch who he hangs out with because, I mean, the people he's surrounded himself since he's been in the league because he hasn't really been in much trouble in college. I mean, ever since he got into that star spotlight, I feel like he's got to switch his – I think there's got to be a change of scenery. You've got to you, – you know, you've really got to – you know, change who you hang out with because only trouble has been going your way. And in the NFL, the way it looks like is, you know, when you get a suspension of six games, the next one's going to be longer. And then after that, that can kind of, you know, affect your mental toughness as an athlete. You know, you get suspended a second time. Then you really, you know, try to look yourself in the mirror and see who you really are as a person. I think, you know, he's still a young guy. He's, what, 23, 24 years old. I mean, he's got a lot of room to, you know, learn. But I mean, at this point, he hasn't been learning. It's just been, you know, incident after incident, you know, altercation after altercation. And, I mean, nothing has been changing. So as as a Dallas Cowboys franchise, you've really got to worry about your, you know, one can argue your best player on that football team. And, I mean, that that's just how I look at it. That's really all I have to say about this incident because, I mean, it, it, it's just not looking good. And I think a lot of NFL athletes these days, especially with social media, you know, every move you do is going to be in the spotlight. So nowadays, you've got it harder than what other guys had 10, 20 years ago. Because, I mean, one little thing, you know, just you arguing with your girlfriend in public can, it goes on TMZ. can lead to an alleged sexual assault case. I mean, so it's just it's just a matter of the air you, you're in, the spotlight that you have. And, I mean, you're playing for America's team. you you got to be able to be, you know, better person than what you are. Yeah, and you you got to also understand <clears throat> that you're under a magnifying glass. Yeah. Everyone's looking at you. You're Ezekiel Elliott, you're like you like you just said. You're you're playing for America's team, and you're one of the best running backs in the NFL, if not the best running back in the NFL. So you you definitely got you have a <clears throat> you have a, a certain certain attitude, a certain walk to your talk. I mean, you you have to you have to portray yourself as a respectful dude. You have to represent the Dallas organization in a kindly manner. You doing all this nonsense, going to the clubs, punching the D. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have fun. You do that. I mean, go go ahead, have fun. Go to f- festivals and whatnot. But for God's sake, don't get yourself into trouble. That's all we're asking. So I think if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I'm serious. You might have to, if you're really, if you're really serious about this whole issue going on with Zeke Elliott, you really might have to consider yourself getting a bodyguard for him. Oh, yeah. The same way we did Pac-Man Jones. The se- like you you kept Pac-Man Jones out of trouble. You got to do the same thing with Zeke Elliott. You got to make sure that this guy does not get into any trouble because if you're serious about winning, you got to you got to make the moves in order to win. Yeah, and you you got to you got to make the sacrifices. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys shouldn't be worried about you know, ten twenty thousand dollars in bodyguards a month. I mean, that's pocket change, but you know that ten twenty thousand dollars is going to pay off when you've got a guy like Ezekiel Elliott who's going to be. R- rushing for 150-plus yards in a Super Bowl win. You know, if we can get there, you know, we have the right team. 
I mean, at this point, it's all about, you know, guys staying healthy and, you know, guys being able to play. And by that, I mean, you know, Randy Gregory, man, he can be one of the best defensive ends in the league. He was supposed to be a projected top five pick before slipping to the second round, and we got him as a steal. But he just can't seem to pass the drug test, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, you know, he, he football-wise, football I mean, he's an athletic freak. But just off the field, man, he just can't – he can't seem to get his head right. And I think that's what's starting to happen with Ezekiel Elliott. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not going to compare him to a Johnny Menzel type of guy. But, I mean, it's just been getting worse since he's been in the league. And I, I just feel like the Cowboys have to, have to put their foot in, you know, whatever it is, team suspension. I mean, I don't know, cut off of his check. You know, whatever it is, you've got to do something to keep him away from trouble. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. But, I mean – we see eye to eye on this topic, my brother. For so, sure, for yeah, sure. For sure. But you know, it's a Tuesday. Any plans for today? Man, just going to be chasing that bag. Chasing That's that it. bag? Well, I'm trying to chase that food at 8.30 tonight. <sighs> trying to break my fast. I'm a little dehydrated right now. I, I don't know how you went through the, throughout this whole show, man. I don't know. You know, man, we, hey, we just got to do it. Hey, you talked a, about mental a, toughness. It's a mental toughness game. Yeah. It's what we do. Shout out Ennis Cantor. You know, we love you down here, but... That's about it for today. I got nothing else. Got nothing else. All right, guys. Sports decaf.